Welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast. My name is Kelly Raymer, and I am the producer and host of this podcast. I'm also a mindset coach, Akashic Tarot reader, co-creator of the Every Thought Matters collective that is coming soon, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Search Every Thought Matters with your favorite browser, and you'll find my site, information, and how to reach me. Add for the podcast, each episode's a conversation exploring origin stories, life, the universe, and various other topics. Enjoy this episode, and remember, every thought matters. This episode of the Every Thought Matters podcast features Leah. Leah has a powerful story of getting herself clean from pharmaceutical drugs that were trying to help her with ADHD. She's now clean and happier than ever. So tune in to this wonderful episode. And as always, every thought matters. All right, I'm here on the Every Thought Matters podcast with my friend, Leah. Welcome, Leah, to the Every Thought Matters podcast. Hi, thank you for having me on. Oh, I am so blessed to have you on. And I follow you, you follow me on TikTok, and I've been following your journey on TikTok, and it's great. And one of your biggest things is you literally recovered from ADHD without meds. Talk. Let's just start with, wherever you want to start on that journey and tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got to this point. Okay, great. Yeah. So my name is Leah and my TikTok is healing code three, three, three. I love following you on TikTok as well, but so my journey started, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was in college. Um, and then I w- became medicated after shortly after I was diagnosed. And then I was on medication for over a decade and um, on and off. And, um, it was a huge struggle. And after a decade on it, it wreaked havoc on my body and mind. Um, it completely destroyed my central nervous system. I had a lot of issues getting off of it and it ended up being a good thing because it threw me into my dark night of the soul, which I talk about a lot on my page. (laughs) And, um, but yeah, it just threw me into a huge healing journey once I got off the medication and once I realized the damage that the medications had caused. Um, and then also coming to the realization that I was addicted to the medications. It was just, it was a whole mess. And that's why I speak up about ADHD and how um, scary these medications can be long-term because they really, they really don't tell us about any of this after um being in doctor's offices and um, speaking with physicians, it's none of them really truly know the long-term effects of these medications. So that's why I speak up about it. Um, But yeah, in doing this, I was able to heal the majority of my quote unquote ADHD symptoms or how we perceive ADHD as a collective now. Um, And that's what I mostly talk about on my page. So So how do we perceive ADHD as a collective? Well, I think that it's very misunderstood. Um, For me personally, I've kind of discovered it's more of a trauma response or a spiritual. um, A lot of people have a lot of spiritual gifts and they're diagnosed with ADHD and they don't know that because they're trying to suppress a lot of their gifts. They don't understand what's happening internally and we're not given any tools to deal with that. And so out of desperation, a lot of us get on medication because we're just trying to live a normal life. Um, So I feel like that that's a huge thing. But how we perceive ADHD is we 
as a collective, we think of it as a person who can't focus, can't get their life together, that's constantly scattered, um, that, you know, is never on time, that's constantly having issues with um, remembering things. It's almost really perceived as a form of dementia, um, I feel. I That's an amazing uh perception of that and i never looked at it that way because i looked at it more as oh look shiny penny oh look squirrel right <laughs> rather than it being forgetful and be not being on time and that's really fascinating to me so when did you think that you first had it or did you did you go to a doctor and they told you you had it yeah so which I way did that happen yeah it was in um i was i wasn't diagnosed until 2004 ish around then um because I was in college and but all growing up I had trouble in school I mean when I was diagnosed you get so much support too when you're diagnosed especially with how it's so ingrained in society right now it's like oh that makes so much sense why you were the way you were why your grades were bad everyone once they hear you have a diagnosis they're just they accept it you accept it and you kind of start believing that narrative over and over and you kind of like step into that instead of working on finding ways to work on it and help with the symptoms. We basically mask with medication. Most of us, a lot of people haven't. There's a lot of people out there that don't, that never got on medication, which was very smart. And, you know, they, they deal with it in their own way. And my business partner told me that I have it and I'm like, what? I'm 58. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I don't know, but she has it, but she's not on medication. And she's like, oh, my God, I can't wait to listen to this podcast because I'm sure you're going to illuminate some things for her as well. But somebody told me that I had it. And I'm like, no, I in the 70s, growing up in the 70s, it was just like, OK, this person has trouble focusing. We didn't have all these acronyms. We right. just like, OK, that person was this way. But I I want to lean into the spiritual gift side of this because I I don't know. I have a sister that's manic and, and bipolar. And I people think that she's got to be medicated. And there's a bit of that to be true because there's a bit of chemistry change in the brain with that. But I also think that's a spiritual gift as well. And I want to know why you think ADHD has some spiritual gifts, because honestly, I have spiritual gifts. I'm a tarot reader. And I can channel things and I'm wondering whether or not I don't have ADHD, but I just have the spiritual gifts. I want to know where you came about with that or who taught you that. Well, I started noticing it myself. And like when I was on medication, I was still very spiritual. I've always been very spiritual, but I didn't understand what was going on with my brain. I did not understand. I was getting downloads. I was getting information. I was having telepathy. I did not know that that's what all these things were. All I could hear is chaos in my mind. And I didn't know how to um, calm my central nervous system down. And then eventually over time, it manifests in your body and you have, you know, brain fog issues, gut issues. And of course, a lot of this is diet, which we can, you know, you can work with the diet and everything like that. I worked with everything to get the inflammation in my body down but my mind was always still going off. And that's when I finally realized, okay, it's all, it's these thoughts that I haven't been able to organize. That's the chaos. It's, and no one, interestingly enough, 
psychologists don't study the voices in people's heads, which I would think would be very important detail, <laughs> not for schizophrenia, not for ADHD, not for any sort of mental illness. And um, unless they've done a study recently, but years ago, I did a deep dive into this and you can't find any studies. And you would think, especially with all mental illness, that this would be a very important study to do. <laughs> Because lots of people are hearing and seeing the same things and we don't real I this is my personal opinion, we don't realize it. But when you're do when you're getting all these things and you're getting all this information, you're you're more likely to forget things in the 3D, I guess you would call it. Um, you're more likely to, you know, you'll be at the grocery store, you're zoning out, you're doing, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff and you're starting to get downloads and information. So you forget certain items that you knew you needed at the time. And that's why you'll get in your car and you go, huh, I totally, I came here for this one item and I didn't even come out with it. So it reflects to the physical world as a disorder. But if you start viewing it from a spiritual perspective, I started to like write down when things like that happened, what was going on in my mind. And I keep notebooks with me everywhere because writing it down really, it really helps. It really helps you able to like start perceiving what your surroundings, what's going on, what times you're getting these, this information and things like that. But that's how I perceive it. And I have a, I have a sibling who is bipolar too. And I personally believe they are kind of in a different dimension sometimes. Whoa. <laughs> that is no, no, Leah, you are speaking my language because I believe that too. I believe I I'm just starting because of TikTok, to be honest with you, I'm starting to see things differently. And I've learned and fascinated by 3D and 5D. I have a friend on TikTok that's a quantum jumping coach. Literally, I hear, kid you not, like mm -hmm. she teaches she has clients that she teaches how to quantum jump, jump timelines and all of that. And I think here's where I'm going to go because this is my personal opinion and if people can like me or don't like me, but the nomenclature we use around these things is, a, for lack of a better word, propaganda. Yes. Because it's, teaching you that you're sick so you have to go to the medical system and do xyz and i think a lot of this and you kind of touched on that a little bit for me personally is that it's you call it a disease and i call it more of a symptom of this and then that's why i wanted you on this podcast because i wanted to see like how it it's like a ball of yarn that you're trying to unravel but there's so many knots in the in the middle of it that you had to go through that's what fascinates me about you and that's where i think you as a human can help others see adhd not as a disease or a symptom but as a way to discovering your true self is that kind of okay Absolutely. right wrong no, that's 100%. And I really feel like if we change the paradigm of how we view what ADHD is, more people can step into their true selves instead of having to medicate and trying to fit in with the world around us. There's also like a creative aspect of it. We're really highly creative and the world is not really built for really highly creative people. They, You kind of push that away and push that down. And I also believe like suppressing that creativity also can present as symptoms as well like so not having an outlet for your creative side 
um, I think can be really damaging, which is a lot of, you know, public school systems, all of, you know, not getting, I was never put in art classes. I didn't even know I liked to paint, which I love painting until I was 30 or 29. So I, I didn't even know. <laughs> so it's like, if you don't have that, you know, that um, someone in your life that's like cultivating it when you're young, you kind of just don't think about things like that because society has kind of pushed that down. I was more, I had a job in sales that I was trying to stay on top of when I was medicated. I was always trying to like fit into these, um, this idea of what I thought success was instead of like feeding into my own gifts and fueling my own energy, I feel like. And that that did me, I did need medication in order to fit into that world at the time or the way I perceived it. That's a wild concept. You needed medication to fit into the narrative of, of the world that exists outside of your brain. That's very interesting because once you got off of that, you found that you do have creative outlets. Like I found that I like I was horrible in art class, but yet I studied art in college and I just was fascinated by, for me, it went down to the mindset, but like Jackson Pollock is probably one of my favorite artists. And I thought, wow, what kind of brain, what kind of mindset, what kind of thoughts came to that person to create art? And you peeled that away, gotten rid of the medication, which took you, you said, two years to really detox from all of that. Yes, it took me two years. I will say, um, I think because of the duration of time that I was on the medication, that it really just did enough damage. And I didn't know what I was doing. There weren't a lot of resources out there. There was one forum about quitting Adderall, and that was pretty much what I relied on. And everything else was trial and error. So I was changing my diets. I was doing all sorts of things. I was doing, I actually was doing energy healing courses. I was doing everything, but it had also pushed me into a dark night of the soul. So I don't know if I just was in this state where I was forced to be <laughs> for two years or if it truly takes two years to recover. A lot of people when they've been on for at least a decade to 15 years, tell me that it took them about the same time. That Very two interesting. Years average. But if you've only been on it for two or three years, it will take you a couple months to a year. So just depending on how high your dosage was. But the beautiful part of your story is that there is hope. Yes, there is. I, and I really, I spent every day of those two years just hoping that it would end, right? Like that I would have find a way out and every day became another day. And I was like, maybe eventually I surrendered to the fact that I may never feel better, that I may have caused brain damage. Cause it was that long. You're just going, why am I never, maybe this is it. Maybe this is as good as it's going to get. And I have to be okay with that. And I feel like once I finally did that and I started to do that about a year in, but it's, then I started to see the healing really happen. So if someone's able to get off the meds and start surrendering immediately that you're never, you're not going to feel well for a long time, but you don't know when it's going to end, then it makes the process, I feel like a lot easier because constantly searching for a feeling that you can't find is, is really scary. And it can, I think it can push a lot of people. I think we're going to see a lot of people going into depression when they start realizing these things and really not being able to find a way out, but they need to know that that the that it does end. And a lot of people go back to the meds because they get to this length of time and they're like, well, I might as well just be on meds because it doesn't get any better, but it does. 
it, I've heard even people on meds for 25 years, it might take them a couple of years like me, but they eventually do heal. So that's the most important thing. And that message of hope is why I think you're brilliant. But all of this aside, if you were to give me one or two sentences, who is Leah now? Who am I now? Well, now I am someone who taps into her creativity. I find inspiration every single day. I tap into love constantly. I'm able to see the beauty in the world again. And I basically found my way back to my own heart. So, and I feel like I thrive now, even if it's just in the little things and just in the day to day, but finding my art really has helped me heal as well. So. Yeah. And I, I truly agree with you. Like my business partner, she had, she says she has ADHD and she's not medicated, but I, she's incredibly creative. Like I I'll pitch something to her and it'll be like this, boring thing and it'll come back and it'll be with pictures and colors and wonderful things like wow where'd you come up with that how did yeah. and and what is your is your favorite creative art uh painting now painting i do i kind of like um doing the videos too tiktok is yeah. a bit of an outlet for me um I, I bet, yes, painting and writing, anything really creative that will get my brain just in that mindset, because really we're meditating when we do that, you know, so it kind of calms our nervous system, our central nervous system down when we get in those states of flow. Um, and that's really, I think, essentially what we're looking for is just that oh, we're constantly looking at it for ways to kind of calm down because we're always just you know, yeah. you know, how it is. <laughs> right. Where there's always thoughts coming through. Like even while talking to you, there was a, another thought like out of nowhere, but I teach people that you can meditate while writing. Seriously. Yes. It's very easy to do because all you have to do is focus on every letter, slow down your brain to, you know, Jack and Jill went you know and just really slow down to each letter on how you spell it out what no matter what language you were in and you can actually slow your brain down that's interesting i haven't tried that before i just know if i write for five minutes then i can then it starts to flow and i can get kind of in that but i'm going to try that the letter focusing on every letter yeah print it out not cursive i know cursive is probably lost on most people but print it like j a Visualize each letter as you write it and it'll stop your brain. And once you, it's no different. Okay. In my, I love sports. So I'm going to get a sports metaphor. I don't know how much you know about sports, but it's most, the, the world's greatest athletes, the game that they play, whether, whatever it is, baseball, football, hockey, even, you know, the other football, which is soccer or whatever, the game slows down for them. It's also, it's like it's become, a slow motion movie for them. And that's kind of a meditative state. And Jordan hit in that game winning shot in game six against the Utah Jazz. I think it was Utah. Or no, it's Cleveland, I think. And in that moment, he is in that meditative zone. So find ways. I know a lot of people who have ADHD who cannot figure that out. How like, oh, I can't meditate. I got all these thoughts and no, you may not be able to do it that way, but you could do it by writing. You could do it by 
just throwing paint on a canvas. That's what I started doing. I just start throwing paint on a canvas. Found it was very healing for me. Yes. And you're right. That, yeah, there's definitely different ways to do meditation. I've also, I've, I think there's a lot of misconceptions around meditation as well. Like I can never make the thoughts in my head go away. It's never, but I can allow them to kind of flow through and be the observer of a thought. And once I can do that and just observe what's going on in my mind, um, then I'm able to meditate. Yeah. I probably the favorite meditation I've ever done was with this uh, casting director in LA when I lived out there in, uh, in the entertainment industry. And she, it was 55 minutes and it felt like five. It was by far the best meditation session I've ever been in. But she taught us how to ground ourselves to the earth. But then if that thought comes into your head and it doesn't serve you, you just put it into a balloon and let it float off. No, oh, I like that. I've never tried that. So it doesn't, and you have to be able, one of the Buddhist tenets is observe your life as if you're in a movie. So mm -hmm. take a second, watch Leah from afar, and then see what comes out of your mouth. And then you watch yourself. Leah said this. Leah said that. Kelly said this. Kelly just said that. And watch yourself, even my hand movements, my hand gestures, all of that. Like, that's a protagonist in a movie or a book. Why are they doing that? That's another way to meditate is just watch yourself. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I do. I but, do like to become the observer sometimes. Yeah, because as you said, and that's one of my favorite things about you is that you like, you surrendered to the fact that your those thoughts are going to come. I love that because if you surrender to that, then you're like, because you're not trying to control it. So you're letting it flow, then try and become the observer and then let them float off into the distance if they don't serve you or write it down, like figure that out. And I, the more you do that, the more you practice it, the more you comes in because as you said, I want to get to that point. And I know I had this one point in my life where I felt the entire universe inside my soul. And mm -hmm. every day I try to get back to that. And there's a Jim Carrey video about that, that same kind of process. Oh, but yes. Where I was reading The Four Agreements by uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. And I don't know if you know The Four Agreements. Do you? Yes, yes I do. Yes. Great. So... I was reading that for the very first time in 2009 or 10 on my friend's couch. She handed it to me and I'm like, okay. I laid, crashed at her place on the couch, started reading it. And it was about 9.13 p.m. The day before my father's birthday. And I felt the entire universe inside my soul when I was reading it. Like I felt almost like rays of light coming into here, my heart, my soul. That's incredible. What most people, I know, and I always want to get back to that. Most people don't know that we have neuro, just like the neurological stuff we have in our brain, we have neurons also in our heart. Yes, we do. And they fire. And that's what love is. And like, I love how you said, well, I go back to find love in everything every day. And is that less of a challenge now or how is that easier for you now that yes, you're off the beds? Yeah. Yes. I still have bad days, but like 
I was so separated from source during my dark night of the soul. And it was really, I mean, it was still, it's the difficult, most difficult thing I've ever gone, gone through. I didn't want to be here basically, but I, once I got my inspiration back once now it's like, I'm so grateful for that. And like, so grateful to feel again, that I'm even grateful when I'm mad or I'm even grateful when I'm angry because having feelings again is like, I don't know. And it's been four and a half years um, since I quit the meds or over four and a half years now. But um, yeah, I feel like it gets easier and easier as time has gone on to like tap back into love. And I just know what that space is and I'm never going to lose that again. Um, Well, hopefully I'll never lose it again. (laughs) Hopefully no crazy things are going to happen to me next. But, um, you know, from a substance standpoint, I do think that there might be a more hidden agenda that people don't understand. I think in a way they might know that it does damage us in ways that no one can possibly comprehend until they go through it. And I think there's something to that as well. Like maybe they are trying to shut that down. The most highly creative people are able to tap into their heart space pretty easily, you know, and especially since, you know, you're more connected to source, I feel like when you're tapped in that way. Um, And if everybody was doing that, I mean, the world would look like a totally different place. Well, yeah, there's two things I want to talk about now because the first one is, I don't know if you know the book, The Emotion Code by Dr. Bradley Nelson. I've heard of it. I haven't read it, though. It's not a, for me, the first couple chapters basically teach you, he shows you how the neurological responses to your to thoughts are in your body. But then I'd use it as more of a reference point because there's a little chart in the middle of it that basically shows you if, say, like, for instance, one I know, my lower back starts getting really wonky when I have money issues. Mm-hmm. And how your neurological responses to those stimuli in our world affect your body. And obviously, you said that because those meds were actually hurting your central nervous system. And the beauty of it is, and I'm going to go out on the limb and but I believe we can heal ourselves. I really do. I just, I have a story to somebody I want on my podcast. Basically, her dad was uh, diagnosed with, I believe it was colon cancer. And she refused to believe it. And she got her family to refuse to believe it. And within a month, he went back and got the MRI and it was gone. Wow, that's incredible. But, I talk to my cells like they're little, you know, the movie Minions? Yes. (laughs) Right. I love those little characters. So I just, and we have about a trillion cells in our body. And I just, like if something happens and I'm feeling out of alignment, literally, like, you know, say I've got some, I have circulation issues sometimes in my right foot. So I just talk to them like, all right, what guys, what's going on? What can Mm -hmm. we do? Right? Yes, I do. (laughs) <laughs> and feed them that energy and that and as you do love right they all have that and they're all tapped into it so i try to go down that path so and see and i love i think that book would be a nice little reference point for you for me it's not a read end-to-end kind of book but i think it would be one a wonderful thing for you because honestly i you're kind of like this ADHD recovery coach to me. Yeah. 
you know, I would like to develop something tangible like that where some people can use it. I don't know if coaching or if just some sort of like guide that would help them, you know, the hardest thing is like, you know, getting people to see that they can't, what you just said is getting them to believe that they can heal themselves because we were so programmed for so long that we need something outside of us to help us or something external to fix a problem. Um, and that is obviously by design, but it, you know, I feel we absolutely can heal ourselves. I do send, I always send messages to my cells too. That's so important. Once I started doing that, like the shift, the subtle shift you can feel. And I try to do it every day, every now and then I'll miss a day, but um, just sending myself love or sending um, health or whatever. Like I just picture them all alive and like turning over. <laughs> yeah. Like, so do I, I do the same freaking thing. You're the first person I've ever talked to that does that. Yeah. I wonder, I, I believe, I'm not, I don't wonder, I know it helps because I feel, I feel almost like, like a shift in me when I do it, especially if I'm, if I'm feeling low or feeling bad. And sometimes of course we need to feel bad or low. I'm not trying to like bypass that ever, but um, there's just, there's so many tools out there. And I think people, it's just a lost, it's just been lost. And now it's time for everybody to kind of wake up and like step into who they truly are. And that way we can all like thrive and heal ourselves. Like you said. I, I firmly believe that, and I just think it's a wonderful process for us to go through to see how our cells can actually be aligned with our true self, because that's all they want to do is for you to be happy and aligned. And But one of the things I like about you is that you're actually allowing yourself to feel, because once you start suppressing feelings, and I'm still learning this and I'm not the best at it, but when you suppress your feelings that's going to create some sort of neurological symptomatic response in your body. Oh, absolutely. And I used to all the time, I was able to control the way I felt with those medications. So if I was having a bad day, I could take medication and would just stuff it away. And of course we all have trauma too. There's, I'm not um, negating that that's an issue with ADHD. So, but we've got to like, we've got to feel and heal the trauma. We have to like go through all the steps and actually bring back up all of the stuff and do all the shadow work. And that's how we start healing it. But I, I don't like it when people think that you have to be constantly positive all the time in order to like perceive abundance. I think that's total BS. And I think that causes more resistance for people long-term if they're just constantly ignoring this, you know, all of this stuff in the background and, you know, just always thinking positive. You can do that. It's an option, but it doesn't, I don't think it brings in what's truly meant for you. I think it blocks you. Well, the old saying is, and I know you know this, you can fool anyone you want to, but you could never fool yourself. Right. <laughs> That's true. And it's, and let's take that a step further. I just channeled this message, but you can fool yourselves, you know, but they they know the true self of what's right. going on with you. So that's why you're going to have bad days. You accept that. And what this shows me from my perspective, and it's why I'm so freaking happy to have you on my podcast, is that you're allowing yourself and you're telling people that it's okay to feel bad, that you're going to have bad days. It, toxic positivity is a thing, and I would rather be be honest with you, there's a little bit of honestly negativity towards toxic positivity, but I would rather you 
people be toxically positive until they get to the point where they can accept the anger and they can accept the sadness and they can accept all of those other things that are coming through because I don't know who I, I saw this the other day and I don't know who it was, but basically somebody said your emotions are your, are guiding you towards your healing, whether it's good, whether you're happy or whether you're sad or whether you're angry. Like in setting up this podcast today, I got a little bit frustrated and I just looked at myself like, why are you frustrated? You get to talk to this amazing woman. What's, What's that really about? So I kind of did the movie thing. Like, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden it shifted. Like, it was gone because I just looked at it. That's why, and I'm going to preach here just for a second, but I don't like the word demons because people talk about that gives them so much power to give. Because words for me are spells. They yes. are quote unquote witchcraft on your soul. So don't use the word demons. You got, yeah you have you have challenges yeah absolutely mm -hmm. we all do and we're going to have those days and that's what makes you a beautiful human being because you see that and you go i know that that's going to happen so i'm grateful that i'm angry right now and i got to learn how to do that because that right now i just said that and i'm like my i you ever been in love yes you know that tummy flip you get when you're in love yes <laughs> i just had that just by saying that out loud Leah, oh, wow. so thank you. <laughs> yes, that's a course. gift you just gave me. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm wow. so happy to help in some way. You know, it's really hard to do sometimes because we resist feeling bad. And I mean, I do it still, of course, because I'll have, I, I don't like, I get a little triggered when I feel depressed because it brings me back to those two years and I get scared and then I start going, okay, it's not going to be like that again. And I do that even if it's just for a day and I have to lean into it and just, okay, what's going on here? You know, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this? And usually something will come up in my mind that I need to like heal or release or something that I hadn't been taken care of. And it's usually something on my part where I need to take action. And if I can address it immediately, um, then it doesn't last as long. If that makes sense. And it's kind of the same with anger. But I, with anger, at least for me, it's a moving energy. So I can appreciate it a little more because usually anger is getting me to act on something or even if it's or even if it's acting on like standing up for myself or something that I'm angry with someone. Why? Why are they triggering me? Um, and then I'm able to kind of view it that way a little bit. I, I like that. And my brain went to you got anger. Find a creative outlet like you've ever seen the movie Pollock which was ridiculously good he just throws that paint on the canvas and it's almost an act of anger yes but then it comes out with this beautiful I've seen a Pollock I was in Pittsburgh uh in 2003 in Andy Warhol museum there and they had this giant wall-sized one and I just felt so much energy from that painting but when you look at it it doesn't it's not you know a scene at the farm with, you know, a cherry tree. It's all these paints mixed together, but you feel the energy of what he put into that. And mm -hmm. I think anger, at doing some sort of creative outlet, whether it's bullet journaling or whether it's meditation by journaling or whether it's meditating or whether it literally taking that anger out to lunch and going, hey, let's talk about, let's talk to your anger like it's not a part of you and working through it. I have to learn how to do that. What I'm impressed by just by talking to you 
is you're not perfect at letting it flow, but that's kind of your default mode is trying to let things flow, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Is that right. true? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And how does that affect your personal life? Your, I don't even know what you do for a living, and I don't want to know because that's not important to me. What's a, But how do you manage that with trying to be an adult? Because I always say adulting is self-care. You got to pay your bills. You got to pay the roof over your head for the roof over your head and all of that. How do you manage all of this while maintaining a life? I just try to think that, you know, we, we still have to function if you want to call it in 3d and we still have to take care of the things that are immediately in front of us. And to the best of our ability, of course, we still have, you know, hard days, like laundry is a big issue for me. Like the mundane tasks are still pretty hard. I mean, that was one thing that um, I guess medication does help you with because you can, for some reason, it gives you energy, you know, to do those tasks that you don't want to do, but you kind of become like a workhorse for either your job or for, you know, tasks at home. Um, it kind of shuts off the other stuff, you know? So sometimes it's difficult to always be in the flow, but it's, again, it's working on that resistance and just allowing what's coming through. Like, why am I why don't I want to do this right now? Is it something that like, cause my body needs rest or is it actually just me being lazy? And if it's just me being lazy, will it be to my benefit to go ahead and do the task later on? Or, you know, is there a reason another, or do I need to be doing something else? Is that why I don't want to do it? So yeah, I but you right. actually allow yourself to ask all of those questions. You're questioning it. That's what's that's just a message of hope too for everybody. You are, yeah. I, you're an ADHD recovery coach. Period. End of story. Have a nice day, everybody. Because well, I like that. Area, I really appreciate you saying that. <laughs> well, one of my thing, one of my gifts, is an I am an idea generator. I can take something and fracture it and just put it out there. Like I, my business partner, I'm like, I sent a potential client her way, and I'm like. And then she just like starts breaking it down. I'm like, she's like, dude, you need to start doing this. Like, and it wasn't even something in her silos of what she what we're working on. Cause we're working on uh, something bigger than a bread box. And like, this would be really a good outlet for you. Cause she just broke down somebody's social media profile and thought this, no, I don't know what, you know, and she's broke it down on a Monday morning while she's at work, not doing the job that, she's doing with me so i i'm an idea generator and i'm good at it and so mm -hmm. but i'm also good at it for me because i'll i'll i have pivoted so many times it's not even funny and i had a friend of mine go wow you take a lot of risks in your life I'm like yeah i do because <laughs> i've been a computer programmer for 25 years i was a filmmaker for 10 i've changed my life coaching brand four or five different times to kind of almost now pivoting to be just a tarot reader and an idea generator and maybe on the side, be a coach. I yeah. I love that. Well, you're really good at it too. I mean, the way you speak as well, it's a gift. Yeah. I had a friend of mine tell me that my words, when I go live on TikTok, I'm calming. Oh. You are. When I see your videos, it just you feel instantly kind of calm, and you always just kind of say the right, the right. You always have like the right message to say. <laughs> that is a gift. <laughs> well, 
in the middle of this, I words were coming out of my mouth and I didn't even know what I was about to say, to be honest with you. I felt yeah. that I can't remember what, but I did. And I, I'm learning to accept those gifts. Yes. Because it's not easy. Because like I'm still trying to pivot to my new self. And one of the things that is uncomfortable for me, and let's dive into this because honestly, I want you to kind of coach me a little bit and tell me you've gone to change your you started with changing your diet, you kept on the the meds, but then you finally got off the meds and you talk a lot about sobriety. So let's talk about that. Is that sobriety from say alcohol or is that sobriety from society sobriety from Adderall what's that what's sobriety mean to you for your personal journey so sobriety to me is alcohol but really so Adderall was like my main addiction and it was whole I call it like my house of cards I don't know I think I've done a video mm -hmm. on this on a live but it's basically what was holding all of my other addictions together and that includes caffeine and um and alcohol. And I wouldn't, I didn't perceive myself as like an alcoholic because I could stop drinking, but I, anytime anything bad happened, I was usually drinking or anytime I was like picking fights in my relationship, I was usually drinking. So I started realizing that drinking was wreaking havoc really, and was causing a lot of issues. So, but once I quit Adderall, when I was in that depressive state at that whole year, cause I didn't quit drinking until after almost a year after quitting Adderall. So, but every time I drank, it would push me into like a horrible depression for like weeks, like deeper than I already was in. So I would finally was like, I'm not drinking ever again once. And that was December 7th, 2019. And that's when I discovered that drinking really exacerbates my ADHD. So oh. I didn't realize that until getting sober. So there, I knew my hangovers were terrible and things like that, but I didn't realize that the anxiety you feel like everything I was getting like maybe one day a week of feeling good after drinking all weekend, because I would be hungover for three or four days, but my ADHD symptoms would be crazy, which would make me want Adderall. So it was always, that's why I say it's my house of cards because the Adderall was making me want to drink. And then I would want to take an Adderall to feel better the next day. So you could function. <laughs> so it's just, it was like this terrible cycle. Um, but once I quit Adderall, then I could focus on everything else. I could focus on um, the alcohol and that's what, and then finally see, it's like, it's weird. You have blinders on when you're in it. Like I never thought that I was addicted to any of these things. First of all, I'll just say that, but I could finally see where it was really disrupting my life. Once I, I pulled the Adderall away, if that makes sense. And then sobriety became like a whole nother, a new learning process because um, it's interesting when I quit alcohol, even though I was a big weekend drinker, that's always when I would feel um, like the withdrawal symptoms and craving alcohol was the weekends. I would get a break Monday through Wednesday. And then once Thursday hit, I'd be thinking about wine. And it's so weird how our body can become addicted just on certain days of the week, which I never knew until you know, until I quit. So we're really, what we know about addiction is so far off from what addiction truly is, I feel. And what's fascinating about this, and I'm honestly probably going to cut that clip from that because you said the word focus. When you stopped it, it, it helped. Yeah, you used the word focus in a way that basically said, 
once I left it, I got to focus. And I thought that was a fascinating turn of phrase because it, you would think Adderall helps you focus. No, it doesn't. When you got off of it you and the drinking, you were able to focus, which is opposite of what society is programmed to tell you, right? In 3D, that's what they think. Well, yeah, you got Adderall. Now you can focus. And now you can do like the Pomodoro effect and do your five things, whatever. But really, you left it because it helped you focus better. Right. Yes, I did. But also, and it did, it's kind of weird because it did, the medication did help the first several years, the first couple, several, I don't know exactly when it started being bad, like started changing the way it was. I think it changes everything about you. I think it changes your personality. Um, I think it changes your chemistry, the chemicals, everything. And they know that it creates an imbalance over time. But in the beginning, this is why it tricks you because even alcohol does, it makes you feel more focused. And a lot of ADHD people who aren't on medication will pick up alcohol because there is some sort of chemical that um, calms your brain down. And it does the same effect almost like Adderall for some people with ADHD. That's a Wow. Okay. You're just blowing me away. But I, my brain is just cataloging this in my head. I don't really like, I'm speechless after that one. That's hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm honored. <laughs> well, it makes you, it makes me think is because did you have a struggle? Like right now, I'm in the middle of a almost a battle between my current self and my future self. And I always believe that. My future self, I want the things I want because my future self always ha already has them. But in that middle of that two years, where you, did you feel like you were battling your future self? Absolutely. I'm asking this just for me because yeah, I want to know. Yeah, I absolutely felt like I was battling my future self. I didn't. I wasn't ready to step into who I am now. I perceived the person that I am now, which I'm so much happier now, but. Five years ago, like six months before I quit, if you would have told me this is who I would become, I would have laughed. I would have been like, that sounds so boring. That sounds not just because of the no substances, but I mean, my early morning routine, everything that I do that is really made me who I am right now and made me happier than ever, I perceived as boring, you know, back then because my life was just chaos and I somehow was thriving in it or I perceive myself to be thriving in it or having fun or just, I was spontaneous and I just like to go do whatever I wanted to do at the time, you know, and um, without a lot of structure, but I was also simultaneously miserable. So. See, I'm in a lot of those things I am now, I'm not miserable because honestly, I've, I've had money. I've made a lot of money. I've whatever, but I'm, honestly happier now with so much more less because less is more obviously but but i'm not miserable but some of those things you said are what i am now because i'm still in that little point of i'm still scared to let my old self go because my old self loves sports my old self loves tv and music and all of these things and i'm worried if i have to by gaining my new self am i gonna have to give all those up like i'm a i love my wine and my wine is my it's a thing for me. I, I just truly enjoy it. But like I've done sobriety kick where I've gone six to eight months, you know, just like, mm -hmm. all right, I'm done. And but yet. Yeah. 
so that's why I asked that question because I'm that's I'm that's where I'm at and that's full transparency for my listeners. It's, that's where I'm at and I'm happy that I'm where I'm at because what you have embraced as yourself, Leah, is everything's happened for you, not to you. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what helped me, you know, and I loved wine as well. That was the hardest thing. When I first got sober, I would drink water out of wine glasses or like sparkling water. And I would just always have to have that wine in my like wine glass in my hand. It just, it helped with the transition, but I went through phases too. Like when I hit two years of sobriety, I was like, why am I really doing this? It's not like it's that big of a deal, you know? And then I just, I somehow made it through that. And now I'm at three and a half years and I'm on the upswing again, but it's always going up and down. There's always like little moments where I'm like, what's the big deal, you know? And I just, um, I, you know, doing the TikToks about sobriety really helps me stay sober too. Cause I kind of, it's like my own personal accountability in a way. Um, but it's just, it's all everyone. It's so personal to everyone. So there's no, you know, maybe even it's not in your journey to have to quit that only, you know, that. And, um, right. Because I know tons of people who, you know, still drink and are still very spiritual and have stepped into their new selves, but only, you know, it's all up to our own, like, personal journey. So I'm going to ask you a really deep question because I'm there. If you look at the outside world and all of the stuff that's going on and a lot of even people's social media, they're out there, they see a divisive world, but I'm just starting to create this harmonious world in my head because I had this guy on my TikTok and I asked him, do we think thoughts or do we receive thoughts? And it's a very powerful question, but I'm just trying to receive thoughts. He says, we call them into being, which I really mm-hmm. love. That's yeah. kind of fascinating to me, but I'm calling into being these thoughts that were this, there's this harmonious world that's, not perfect it's not utopia but it's also really harmonious so when i see that divisiveness outside of me i'm like no that's their world how do you look at it because it's that's kind of a 3d 4d 5d kind of look or am i off base no i i look at it the same way because it's like we have to find a way to create the harmonious world while simultaneously living in what we perceive as a not harmonious world with everyone around us strutting and fighting and wars and the whole thing. But there's like, in some ways, it's like, what can we do now to try to step into the harmonious world? And all we can do is change ourselves. And that's, you know, that's, I feel like it's really difficult sometimes when you see all the pain and suffering going on in the world to feel like, that it's okay to step into that, into the happy part, if that makes sense. Yeah. Giving yourself permission to, for me is giving yourself permission to step into that visualization of the world. Cause to me, like my friend, Abby, who's the quantum jumping coach talking about really feeling that like Abraham Hicks talks about, you got to manifest a feeling before you're going to manifest a thing. And, and, I have done a lot of work on that. So whatever you want to manifest, you know, manifest that feeling. Like I'm knock on wood. I may be picking up my car today and it's not any car to write home about. I'm not buying a car off the dealer lot, but it's buying a car. Yeah. And I've been trying to manifest that. I haven't had a car since December, 2017. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
and I've managed, mind you. Yeah. I've had a lot of angels along the way, but uh, I stepped into that feeling of what it felt like. And I kept writing. One of my friends who's a coach said, write down 25 reasons why that car is going to be great in your life. And I did. And I wrote down by the 25th one, I felt like I had the car already. And that's what you have to do. So I'm stepping into that feeling of this harmonious world. Yes, it's still going to have contrast because as humans, there's always going to be contrast because we all have a different double helix. So it's going to be a little bit different for everybody. There's still going to be some contrast. There's still going to be bullies. There always will be bullies and there will always be problems. But the harmonious part is how we solve it. Yes. That's what I'm trying to step into in my own little head pretty much every day, as much as I can, as you know, to step into that. And it seems like you're doing that as well. Yes. But also in the same sense, just like we can't like ignore our pain, I feel like there's like a, a part of us that can't completely ignore, you know, what's going on. And like when we're ready to take action, we might, you know, we might be called to take action on it down the road, but we'll be doing it from a much, a much stronger place because we're creating expansion by being able to change how we feel and like draw strength from it versus falling into it and giving into the fear and the worry and all of that, that comes along with becoming obsessed with what's going on in the news and everything. If that makes sense. Makes a whole lot of sense because fear is driven by the ego. And I personally believe the ego was created by uh in the beginning to protect us. So once you want understand that the ego uses fear and think they're literally just like you have a this overly protective mother basically inside you mm-hmm. protecting you. And sometimes it generates fear because you you know, the unknown, like I'm going to pick up this car and there's just like that little bit and I'm just going Ego is going to be okay. Right. <laughs> Waited this long. It's going to be fine. I got you. Thank you. And as you say, you go to gratitude. And that's probably one of the best things you said on this podcast is that no matter what you feel, you're grateful for it. Because once you be great, it reduces its power. Because the more you give it power, you call it a demon or you call it whatever, you're giving it more power than it really deserves. Mm-hmm. But then, but you're also still looking at it and you're not being putting your head in the sand, but you're actually just looking at it and going, yeah, these are these divisive things. They are going on in the world. I see them. I feel it. But that's not me. I'm not sure how to go about that, but I like that perspective that you just gave. Yes. Well, I mean, and I like yours as well, because it, it, you're right. I mean, you what you're saying is we do, I mean, we just have to live simultaneously while somehow trying to create expansion. And I do a lot of quantum jumping as well. And I think that's awesome that you got a car. It's like huge from writing everything down. I mean, that's just, I really think we do have the ability when we feel into it. And I do, I do with the quantum jumping, like I feel like that's the best way to feel into it and create what we're hoping the world will become while living and where it is now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like I have wild concepts and I believe that there's a there you know multiple universes, multiple timelines and all of that, but I think it's all on an emotional level, not on a physical level. Like when people the 3D people think, "Oh, there's a there's another earth." Well, no. 
you can shift that and where everything is beautiful. Because, like, I live in a trailer. And if you haven't seen one of my pin videos, I live in a trailer. But I can visualize this vacant lot outside of me with a nice, lush, green lawn and all of that. Because yeah, exactly. I believe that that world exists. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. For, for sure, I know it exists. So I just step into the feeling and someday that's going to manifest. And I believe I can manifest a car in my driveway. So yeah, absolutely. You can. And I, I believe that too. I believe it's all on an emotional level. And it's like, we can f tap into any of these dimensions or timelines at any given time and draw in the energy from it in order to create in this, in this timeline. I agree. And what you said also helped me as well. You're like, yeah, you could see it. You can see the divisiveness and then just call into that good feeling that that harmonious feeling. And then for me, spirit will guide you if you need to take action. Right. And I love that. This yeah. has been wonderful. And I know you got to run soon, but wow. I. Yes, I loved I, it. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate this opportunity to talk with you. Well, I wanted you to be able to tell your story and hear what what I think is fascinating about you is the ADHD recovery. I think more people need to know your story. And I I you know, I think that's a given, but I also know that you're incredibly talented and I think that your creative side is, is wonderful too cuz I do like your TikToks. You do a good job of doing that and I think keep doing that and if, as you said find that you know future self and then when you're called into action it may be being an adhd recovery coach whatever you'll be called into action to do it yes no i agree i appreciate that and i've, I've loved being on today <laughs> it's good because what helps with anybody being on my podcast it helps them tell their story but it also that's a refined Basically, it's putting it through a refinery and refining the story for them because they're going to walk away, hopefully, A, feeling better about themselves and B, understanding themselves a little more and C, helping the host, myself, learn something new about myself. That's those three goals of my podcast. I love it. Well, you're great. You're great. And you taught me some new things as well. So I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So and um, let's wrap this up, Leah. Where can people find you? Um, so you can find me on my TikTok. It's healing code three three three. Why did you decide that? Why did why code three 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 before we let you go? Well, so I actually was going to do a different name, and then at the last minute, this healing code just came into my mind. And then I see I see numbers all the time. I'm, that could be a whole another episode. <laughs> I love yes. numbers. I've seen it my whole life, but um, three, three, three for whatever that day was just, I'd been seeing it a lot and I just used that, <laughs> but it's also that the is... number of completion and, you know, three, six, nine, there's just so much within three, three, three. So I don't know, it felt right. And for some reason I just stuck with it. <laughs> well, I'm glad because it's easy for me to remember. And that's a lot of people think, well, gosh, I got dementia because I can't remember people's user IDs. Well, no, you don't, because there's so many social media platforms, so many different IDs, you know. So keep that up. Keep up the great work on your TikToks. 
And I am so blessed to have you on my podcast. So blessed to even talk to you. So thank you, Leah. And I appreciate you. Appreciate well, your time. You, and I appreciate you too. Thank you so much. You have a great day and we'll, we'll talk later. All right. You too. Thank you.